this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. We've had a really great day in church. Josh Plum preached amazing this morning. You need to listen to that one. You always love a sermon when there's a little squishy ball on the stage. He had a squishy ball out and it was really cool. I know he touched it when I was emceeing. I wanted to know what it was. Tonight I'm going to wrap up um, this series. This is the last of That's Jesus and I'm excited to do that. After that we're going to embark onto a new series, aren't we, Pastor Andy? Can I tell everyone what it is or, or are you still developing it? It's a secret. Okay, well it's going to be a series in Romans. So um, <laughs> it's going to be... Um, it's actually going to be dealing, <laughs> dealing with some of the cliche lines that we hear throughout the book of Romans, but how we need to apply them better to our lives. So Andy's working real hard on developing that, aren't you, Andy? You are now, good boy, yes. Um, but I'm excited as we unpack the Word of God together. And uh, tonight is the end of That's Jesus, and we've heard some great teaching. I know Andy Goulet was amazing last week. I, I caught a little bit of it. We had a little holiday. I have a little nickname for Andy Goulet that I don't know if he knows, but I call him Beef Goulash. I think it's pretty cool, but he doesn't know I call him that, but I'm sure he'd be okay with it. One of the best guys I know, Andy Goulet, isn't he? I know that he inspired us and he stirred us afresh, and I want to grab a hold of that a little bit tonight, but I want to wrap up this series, That's Jesus. Before I do, I want to update you on the vision offering, because I know that so many of you gave. Let me tell you, this is never a morning thing or a night thing, it's a church thing. All right, and I believe that even so many of you participated because we've had our highest participation numbers uh, that I've seen in the time that we've been here. We had a goal to raise a lot of money and I can tell you tonight that we have met every goal, hit every target, which is so cool. So we wanted to raise $15,000 for the COVID Nepal India uh, relief over there. That $15,000 we got, I think in the first week, that money's already gone over there, which is cool. The second target for Nexus Care was $200,000. And I can tell you today that that target has been exceeded and we have raised $206,000, which is phenomenal. I was telling the church this morning that all goes towards my private jet. So I'm just so thankful for that. Um, it's just going to help me uh, get from uh, my house to here every Sunday. So uh, <laughs> please know I'm joking. All right, don't, don't let anyone, don't, don't recall this and send this away. Um, so, and I need to tell you that whenever we get more in, we partner with what we would say are kingdom aligned organizations. Teen Challenge, who pulls drug addicts off the street. Scripture Union, reaching people in schools. Alpha Crucis College, training people in, in biblical studies. So these are the organizations that we decide to partner with whenever we get excess. The last category, we wanted to raise $65,000 for our missionaries in the field. And I can tell you tonight, we raised $85,000 for the missionaries, which is so cool. And anybody who knows missionaries knows that if they could ever do with a little bit more money, they would love that and they will put it to good use. So we'll be sending that over there. So I just want to commend you, church. Uh, in fact, I'm so moved that so many of you have participated and during a COVID season when life is so incredibly uncertain, you've stepped out in faith. And I know for so many of you are students, but you've stepped out in faith. And I'm just so proud of you. We are so proud of you. For us, it feels like you've really aligned with our vision. It's one thing to say you're with us. It's another thing to reach into your pocket and sow kingdom finance into what God is doing. So way to go. Well done. With that, who is ready for the word tonight? Good. Oh, that was a pretty good response. I won't go for it again. 
John chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to read 15 verses. One of my favorite interactions of all. In fact, there's a great mini series called The Chosen. They do a very good job of this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. In fact, I believe it's uh, so well put together in that portrayal of the Jesus stories because uh, that is the one famous actor that is in the whole series. Uh, obviously, they blew the budget on that one guy. But I can tell you they do a great depiction of this scene. We're going to read the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. As Jesus is not only drawn to our brokenness, he's also drawn to our perceived righteousness. I loved how Smithy shared the other day about the prodigal son. It wasn't just the prodigal son that was lost. It was the older brother who was equally as lost, but was still in the household. Do you know that by being religious, you can still be lost. You can be more lost, but not even know it. The danger for us is that we'd be caught up in being the older brothers who look out at all the people out there who perhaps need it with their wild living, but forget that we can be equally lost while living in the very same house. And so Jesus tonight, as we read this, is interacting with a righteous person who needed to be saved. I can tell you, we all need this. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, meaning there were 70 people, 70 men, part of the Sanhedrin, who were responsible for every living Jew in the world. Think about that level of authority. Only 70 men, he was one of the 70. He came to Jesus at night, and said, I love this, John, all throughout his gospel account, four times depicts night and dark, light, uh, night and day, light and dark. He's doing that to let us know that there, this man is approaching the rabbi under the cover of darkness. Why? Because he didn't want to be seen by others, but very likely there was a deeper darkness of soul that Nicodemus had that he didn't even realize he had. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. I love that. It's almost saying like, you are a really special teacher who does cool things, but you're still just a teacher. Wants to leave him there. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Do you ever find with Jesus in these interactions that someone asks him a question and he doesn't answer it? Like he just moves into a new category altogether. And as the conversation goes on, the, the person asking just gets quieter and quieter and Jesus says more and more. I love that. I, I just think it's really cool. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus said. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Very important we know this. Some Bible scholars who got a bit carried away were trying to talk about the amniotic fluid that surrounded the, surrounds babies. But I can tell you back then their science was not that advanced. They didn't know anything about how it all worked. So everybody did too many kind of conclusions that they're talking about a medical type thing. That is not the case. Jesus is quoting Ezekiel 36 and 37 here in case you are wondering that everybody would have known. That's for everybody playing at home today. Anyway. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, referring to himself. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the, man, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. A reference to Numbers 21, the encounter with the fiery serpents, which is why on some ambulances you still see the serpent on the pole. Jesus having an interaction with Nicodemus, which is quite unique, and Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because Nicodemus knew there was something about Jesus, but he wasn't quite prepared to go all the way and lift him out of that teacher category. In fact, you can hear the language there, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who does special things. Importantly, the first thing that we know is quite obvious in this text is that he kept Jesus in that teacher category. And as long as we keep Jesus in that teacher category, we will never encounter true change. In the night, there was nothing on TV. Beck and I were sitting on the couch. We find that we don't watch any shows, really. We just watch all the things we could watch. You ever do that? Just scroll through Netflix for half an hour and go to bed. I think that's why I pay for a subscription. Well, that was a good night. I really got into that, you know. We all, all the trailers for 12 different things. Anyway, one of those nights and we were trawling through and I reckon we were scraping the bottom of the barrel. There was no sport, no sport. <laughs> and, and, and I got stuck on a show that I am not endorsing nor recommending, nor have I watched more than three minutes. So you, you ready for this? You're like, oh, what did he watch? It was, um, it was First Dates Australia. It is, a, it is watching a train wreck in slow motion. You can't look away, though. If you get hooked, if you keep that on for 10 seconds, you, just, you get locked in. I want to see how this ends. I only watched one interaction. It was amazing watching it because clearly, and I'm being kind, but, but the man was outgunned. Like, she was in a new category, and he was on reality TV, scraping the barrel. You know, he was lucky to get a, get a go. And you could just see this, what started as interest, you could just see on her face. It's like, oh man, it's just, I can see it deteriorating rapidly. Anyway, it gets to the end and they must have to ask them in front of the camera at the same time, like, do you want to go on a second date? And, you know, he is like my sonny boy. He's like, you know, yeah. And she's like, um... I, I kind of just keep think that we'd be better being friends. <laughs> you can just see the devastation, you know. It's like, he didn't come on this show to make a new friend. <laughs> the fact is, is that she quickly put him into a category which he will never get out of. Maybe I'm speaking to someone tonight. <laughs> How to break free of the friend category. I can't help you and take a miracle. She instantly put him in that place. In fact, I would say at the start, she was interested, but she was not open. And what we find with Jesus in our world is that people are interested in Jesus, but they are not open to Jesus. They might be drawn to Jesus. They might want to sit for the interview. They might want to hear. But when it comes to taking it to the next level, I don't know if I want that. And rapidly on this stupid little scene, you could kind of see it happen and the forlorn face and that was kind of the end of it and went to an ad break and it helped me break free onto something else, something far more wholesome, hopefully. People are interested in Jesus, but they're not open to Jesus. 
Nicodemus is drawn to Jesus at nighttime and he's very interested in him, but he is not open to Jesus. And as long as we keep Jesus in the teacher category, he will not change or transform us. You see, if I actually refer to you as a teacher, it instantly places me as a student and the scene instantly becomes a teacher teaching a student in a classroom. But if you're only looking for teaching, you're only looking to slightly improve your life, your current life, you're not looking to change. And very often we approach Christ as wanting more teaching. We come to church. What do we look for? We look for more teaching. I need some water because I'm, I'm spitting fire up here. <laughs> I feel like I'm Bowser off Mario. Anyway. And what we do is we come to church and we're only looking for teaching. And so we find Jesus and Jesus is a teacher. And hopefully if I get enough teaching, my life will improve somewhat. That's not what Jesus offers. But if I keep him there in that teaching category, every time I come to Christ, I place myself in a classroom setting looking to gather more information. I tell you the whole world wants more information about Christ. But I can tell you the more information you gather about him will not change you. Because we don't learn the most when we're in a classroom being just taught by Jesus. Now, is Jesus' teaching profound and life-changing? Yes, it is. But he wants to encounter you as your saviour. See, if you go into a teaching setting, you've isolated that zone of the relationship. But I reckon we learn far more from Jesus, not in a classroom, but out in the open ocean in the waves when he has to save us. Peter encounters Jesus, and you can read about it in Matthew 14. He encounters Jesus in his power and all the rest of it. But Peter didn't worship Jesus as Lord until he was pulled up out of the ocean. Why is that? Because Peter did something. He walked out to Jesus in that stormy waves. He came out to him. He began to sink and he yelled out, Lord, save me. He's pulled up onto the boat. Everything goes calm and everybody worshipped him in that moment as Lord. They had never done that before. Why is that? Because beforehand they were following a teacher. But out in the open ocean, when you know you have to get saved, you need him to be your saviour. That's when you begin to worship him. Keep him in the classroom. Learn all you want. 28 keys. That's why the self-help section is, is jammed. That's why we love people like Gordon Peterson, you know. That Canadian guy, he's a great writer. I just can't read his books. I can't follow him. But we love to find out how to make life work. But I can tell you what we need most is we need a saviour. And we need to break Jesus out of that category. And Nicodemus did not have the ability to do so. Notice this, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher, you've come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. It's an important point that Nicodemus is making here and something that we need to understand. Do you realize that miracles alone will not produce saving faith in your life? We so often think to ourselves that if our friend or family, if they just saw a miracle, something radical, some kind of crazy miracle where someone is healed or there's breakthrough. If they just saw that, then they would be saved. Here we see clearly that is never the case. Nicodemus is saying, I've heard your teaching. I've seen all your miracles. I've analyzed the evidence. It still has not produced saving faith in Nicodemus's heart. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 4. Hey, they heard the same message as you, but they didn't combine it with faith. So it was of no value to them. We so often think that if there's a miracle that would occur in my life or in those around about us, it would produce saving faith, but that is never the case. 
Because saving faith comes from a humble heart posture that is not looking to be taught with more information, but reaching out in need of a saviour. And Nicodemus had so much on the line. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. I'm sure you'd be familiar with that term. And growing up, I always thought that a a born-again Christian was a certain type of Christian. I don't know if you had this as well. It's Anglicans, Catholics, Presbyterians, and born-agains. I remember getting knocks on the door as a kid, and I'd answer them, and there they were trying to bring us over to their thing and get us a bicycle and join the 144,000 or something like that. And uh, I remember like, Dad, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, they're clearly not selling anything. They're different to that. Dad would always come over, we're okay, we're born-again Christians. And I remember, you know, like, oh, yeah, we are, aren't we, Dad? What does that mean? (laughs) Perhaps you've heard it and maybe you think being a born-again Christian is a certain type of Christian. And there's people that propagate this. Even famous people will say, I'm a born-again Christian, and you've heard this line. Can I tell you that being a born-again Christian is the only type of Christian? There's no subcategories. It's not a certain type. It's for all. But it actually also means it's the only way to be a Christian is actually to be born again. And it's a fundamental shift we have to make in our hearts and lives, one that Nicodemus was in un, unable, unable to do. My holiday brain is on the way back. It's just stopped off at Caboolture at the Supercenter. It's on the way back. We're unable to do it because we realize that actually being born again requires us to not learn more information, but have an experience of being reborn. Nicodemus had a lot on the line if he was to become a born-again Christian. Think about this from Nicodemus' perspective. He was one of 70 of the ruling council at that time. He had authority. No doubt he had affluence that went along with that. To hear that Nicodemus, a righteous man, would have to be born again is highly offensive. Think about this. In the very next chapter, Jesus interacts with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You know the story. She has five husbands and the one she is with is not even her husband. Well, Jesus says to that woman, hey, you know what? I've got real water, living water that will flow into you and give you eternal life. He says to that woman, I have got living water for you. But he says to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Now, I don't know about you, but I reckon Jesus has got the roles reversed. Because I reckon the woman could do with a fresh start, a born again experience. And maybe Nicodemus could just do with a little bit of living water, pep his life up a little bit. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. We often think that it's the broken and the messed up ones. The ones who've really got problems. The ones who could really do with a fresh start. Those are the ones that need to get born again. But not us. Not people who are pretty good. Not people who have put some effort in. Not people who come to church regularly. Not not people that have made good moral choices. Surely not them. I mean, the drug addicts, yes, they need to be born again. The woman at the well, she's promiscuous. Let's face it, she needs a fresh start. Man, you, you, that's absolutely, you need a fresh start. 
No, no. The righteous, the most righteous, or one of the most righteous men in that community is being told by Jesus, you have to be born again. Just allow the, the fact and maybe the offence of that hit your heart even slightly. Jesus is calling every one of us, not based on our good deeds or the righteous things we have done, but the fact that at the foot of the, clock, the cross, everything is level. I like having this uh, thought when I, when I watch famous people win sporting events, you know, Ash Barty, Wimbledon, pretty amazing effort there. I like watching and then I like finding out how much money they make from it. I don't know why. I remember watching a golfer a little while ago and, and one putt and he made a million dollars. It's pretty amazing. And then I like just thinking about when he came home that day and they all celebrated. But then at some point that week, he still had to take the trash out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I reckon that week he still would have had to have done the dishes, surely, once. You know, I love the fact that he still has to go and line up at Queensland Transport and get his photo taken. I just like the idea that even though they have won all this money, they are just like you and me. You know what? It's amazing when we apply this to our faith. Do you know being born again means that tonight someone for the very first time can open their heart to the love of Christ, receive the invitation to follow Him, accept, accept that I want to be born again. And the moment you make that decision, you are on the very same level as me, as every single person in this room. I've been a pastor for 16 years. You open your heart, we are on the exact same level as born again believers. That's why there is no pride in the Christian faith. That's why there can never be any puffing up of who we are. Why is that? Because the cross is the great leveler and we have to be born again. And I've got to tell you, I reckon one of the most... Oh, my English isn't that good tonight. I reckon one of the biggest hindrances to coming to faith is not that we have all these issues going on in our lives. It's the fact that we have to humble ourselves and realise that I have to be born again. I have to have the humility to not hang my life on the good things that I have done. I have to have the humility which the older brother in the story of the prodigal son was unable to get to where he realises, hey, even me in the middle of the house, I too can be lost. It's important to know this and sometimes in church we, we do get it wrong. Sometimes we really dramatise the new birth experience. But can I tell you, and I know this is true for me, I'm sure it's true for many, your new birth experience with Christ does not have to be dramatic, but it does have to be radical. Often we dramatise the huge stories of people being born again, and perhaps we do that wrongly. Perhaps we love those stories of people who come in with their craziness and just last night they got scraped up out of the gutter, here they are tonight, and they got saved, and we go, wow, this is awesome, let's tell that story. But I can tell you what is equally as powerful. Someone who has always tried to do the right thing, 
someone who's lived a relatively good life, but they are equally as lost. See, the purpose is not that we have a dramatic rebirth story. The fact is, is just that we have to be reborn. I don't have to stand up here and give you evidence that I have a birth certificate to tell you that I've born, I've been born. You just know that I have. And sometimes we dramatize our birth stories, but our birth stories are not our identity. What is our identity is that are you born again right now? Think about it. You know, mums get together, they've had their babies, give them three minutes, they start talking about the birth stories. It's the worst. New mums, that's what happens. They, you know, they get together, they push the prams in and, and like, oh, how'd you go? Oh, well, you should have seen me. It was, you know, and, oh, you know, just came, just came here to order a coffee. I don't want to hear this, you know. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, it's not about our birth story. It's that you, that you have been born and are being born again that really matters. No one introduces themselves with their birth story. You know, you know say, hey, Nipey, how you going? You know, full term, C-section, emergency. You know, that's not how you introduce yourself to people. Hello, C-section, full term. Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I was in emergency, though. I was a bit, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Hello, good to see you, nine pound 12. You were nine pound 12? You know, you're a 37-year-old adult. I don't care what your baby weight was. <laughs> we don't have to introduce ourselves with our birth story. The fact is that just that we were born. And I can tell you that you don't have to have a dramatic birth story to know that you're walking with Christ and you've been born again. Some of us, it's a moment. Man, if you listen to some of the stories on the front row tonight, or even if I asked you, some of you have had dramatic moments where you have undeniably encountered the risen Christ and it's angelic and you have fallen flat on your face. Sometimes that is your dramatic birth story. Sometimes it's been years of piece by piece handing your life over to Christ until you now realize I was there, but for some reason I feel new purpose is not to dramatize our birth story but to know that we are born again but Nicodemus with his pride had far too much to lose team you can come and join me and then we'll close he had far too much to lose in fact even when Jesus is talking about water and spirit he's quoting Ezekiel 36 is the word of the Lord that I will sprinkle you clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You notice everything about that. As Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus, surely you're Israel's teacher. How do you not know Ezekiel 36? But notice in that passage, I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new desire. I'll cleanse you of impurities. I wonder if our biggest hesitation with embracing the new life that Christ has for us, with being born again, is the fact that we're scared of giving things up. Because once again, we come to Christ looking for life improvement. Teach me something to improve my life slightly. Jesus says, I don't do that. And Nicodemus, out of the goodness of his heart, he's drawn to Jesus. He's interested in him. He says, what have I got to do? What's the next thing? And I reckon Nicodemus was a pretty decent man. 
And I reckon he was thinking, I, I just think there's more. And he comes to Christ under the cover of darkness, a dark heart, even a dark soul, but his desire is to know more. And he comes to him and what's the 28 rules for life, Jesus? What's the, what's the teaching that I've got to embrace and then I can improve my life a little bit? And Jesus is saying, no, that's not how it works. When you come to me, you come to me, allowing me to give you a new heart, a new spirit, new desires. You see, for a lot of us, it's not just the, the things that we know we have to give up. It could be the new requirements that Christ placed on our lives. We love to have all the answers before we get there. We want to know what we're signing up for. Well, will I have to stop doing that? Will I have to let that thing go? Will I have to change? Can I tell you, just, just get born again and Jesus will figure the rest out. It's like when people have got new babies, new families, and it's good seeing little Jericho down the front here. What a little trooper that guy is. But you know, you, you meet some families and they've got these great plans and before they have the baby, have all these plans. They say lines like, especially when you run into them at a really trendy cafe and they're there having their smashed avocado sourdough for $12. <laughs> And you're watching them. You guys excited about having a new baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we've made a decision that like when we have the new baby, the baby come along, uh, the baby's going to fit into my life, our lives. You know, we're still going to go to cafes. And, and you just look at me and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. We haven't slept for seven years. <laughs> well, that, that's not you. You'll, you'll be fine. You know, that, that, ours was weird. <laughs> You know, we have a thousand questions before new birth. But the questions don't matter on the other side. Questions don't matter. Will your desires change? Probably. Will your friendships shift? Probably. Will your desires change? Absolutely. Do you feel something begin to grow on the inside of you? Yeah, absolutely. But don't worry about all that. Because Nicodemus got worried about all that stuff and he couldn't make the next step. And Nicodemus, with his head full of knowledge and information, he couldn't quite get to that next part of embracing the new life that Christ had for him. And so our challenge tonight is to not try and acquire new information, but that's Jesus. The way that he works is he wants to birth something new in you. It's scary, but it's powerful. It's life-changing.